You're listening to First Conyers Daily Podcast, Daily in the Word, with Pastor John Mark Oliver. Well, good morning. Today is Monday, April the 4th, and it's good to be with you this morning. We had a good day of worship yesterday. It was uh, just a good full day. A lot of our families on spring break, and praying that they're having a good time as families. I find it kind of normal that people go on vacation during spring break rather than the summer. Uh, but we have had a had a good day yesterday. Worship was uh, just incredible, and uh, George, it was good to see you in worship yesterday. I was glad to see you able to make it out. Um, but uh, just want to encourage you to continue to pray over our our Palm Sunday and Easter services coming up. We'll have Good Friday service on that Friday at seven a.m. and that service will be from seven to seven thirty a.m. sharp so that those who need to go on to work can go on to work. We will be participating in communion on Good Friday morning, as well as this coming Sunday, which is Palm Sunday. Uh, We'll be partaking of communion together. So I encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, If you're a part of First Conyers, I want to also ask you, encourage you, exhort you to grab a small stack of those invite cards and everywhere you are, give somebody an invitation to our Easter service. It's a way that we might be able to... uh, Just give that information to those in the community if they're looking for a place to go on Easter Sunday. We pray that uh, many might be saved or come into um, fellowship in a local church. Just one clarification, uh, typically on Easter Sunday, we do not have small groups that meet on campus, but that is optional. Uh, We simply do that because uh, there are those, especially during the second hour of small groups, have young families, and it is very difficult to man the uh, children's and and preschool uh, serving areas. Uh, so it's uh, best that we don't have small groups because children are hard to take to the parent small groups and then many of them leave to go be with their family. And so if you're one of our 830 small groups, in no way have we prohibited you from gathering together as a small group or Sunday school class to be together. So we encourage you to do that. So maybe if there was some misunderstanding on that, I wanna make that clear this morning. Uh, that no one has prohibited that, but actually it does me good to see small groups go ahead and meet when we don't have official small group days. So uh, just wanted to clarify that. Blessed is your Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste, glory divine, heir of salvation. Oh 
story and this is my song. That's probably got to be one of my favorite <clears throat> older hymns. I just love it. I love the testifying of that. Well, this morning we're picking up and we're in Hebrews chapter 9 this morning and it's really a chapter that's best to cover in one swipe. Uh, but today we're only still going to cover just the first 10 verses of it because we don't have time on our morning devotions to do that. And I'm going to read through most of it fairly quickly make some explanations, but there's one key point uh, that we're going to see sets us up for verse 11 and the rest of the chapter, and we're going to find that in verse 10. And so throughout um, <clears throat> this time as we've been looking at what the writer of Hebrews has told us, he's making the case that Jesus is far better. Uh, he's greater than, than the old covenant, and he goes back and begins with angels and Abraham and um, now he gets to the priesthood, and he's not just making reference to the priesthood, but he's making reference to what the priests under the old covenant were necessary to do. Uh, if you've ever read the book of Leviticus, which I encourage everybody to read, uh, of course, the book of Leviticus, while it, it could be in some person's eyes laborious to read through, what we see in the book of Leviticus are all of the requirements that God 
uh, placed in order for individuals to come and worship before God, uh, to come into God's presence, and the, the sacrifices that had to be made. And all of that was established under the Old Covenant, under uh, Aaron's lineage. Aaron was the first priest, high priest. And so through the tribe of Levi, all of those would be priests, and their duties were to carry these different acts of sacrifice and worship, carry those out every single day for the children of Israel. And so um, the reason that the book of Leviticus can seem so laborious to it is because there were so many requirements that were placed there. Well, the point in the book of Leviticus was to show the necessity of one's holiness or the, uh, the, the means of holiness in order to come into God's presence. And of course, the writer in Hebrews contrasts that old priesthood and the old tabernacle with the new covenant and how all of that has been fulfilled in Christ. And so all of those regulations, those commands in the old covenant, Jesus fulfilled all of those for us. And that's why we don't practice those today, or it's not necessary for us to practice those today, because Jesus has has fulfilled all of those requirements. So we pick up in, in verse 1 of chapter 9, where he says, Now, even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. And so in that old covenant, there were regulations for worship. I would say that today, while there are not regulations for worship or that, that coming into God's presence, when we signify that typically on a Sunday morning worship service, there are principles that we follow from the Old Testament that we now participate in in the New Covenant or under the New Testament time. For a tent was prepared. This is the tabernacle that, that was built in the wilderness. For a tent was prepared, the first section in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of presence. It is called the holy place. And so many of you in your Bibles will have diagrams of the tabernacle in the in the maps pages. And if you look at that, inside the tabernacle, there was this, this curtain that divided. Uh, and behind that first curtain was what, what was referred to as the holy place. And in the second curtain was what was referred to as the most holy place. And it was in the most holy place where God's present dwelt presence dwelt among the people of God. And so it was on a regular basis that the high priest and the priest would go into the holy place to perform um, certain things that they did on a daily basis to make sacrifices, attend to the golden lampstand, incense, etc. But it was only once a year we're going to find that the high priest entered into the most holy place. And so in verse um, <clears throat> verse 3, he says, behind the second curtain was the second section called the most holy place. Having the golden altar of incense, that would have been in the holy place, and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden urn holding the manna, the, and Aaron's staff that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. So we see in the most holy place, there was the Ark of the Covenant. And there were three articles in that Ark of the Covenant. Um, we see again here that in the Ark of the Covenant was Aaron's staff that, that budded, 
a jar holding the manna which God had provided for the children of Israel in the wilderness, and then also the tablets that, that Moses had brought down from Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments. And it says, above this Ark of the Covenant uh, were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat of these things we cannot now speak in detail. So there were cherubim, angels that were figured covered in gold that were over the Ark of the Covenant. And on top of that was what was referred to as the mercy seat. Now in verse 6, these preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section performing their ritual duties, but into the second only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, but not without taking blood, which he offers for himself first, and then for the, uh, for the unintentional sins of the people. By this holy, this holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy place is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing, which is symbolic for this present age. And so the Holy Spirit was, uh, was indicating that there was no way into the second or the holy of holies, the, holy, the most holy place, during this first time, during this present age, during the old covenant, while the tabernacle's still standing, uh, there's no way. And incidentally, it's interesting to note that today uh, in Jerusalem where the, 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 the temple stood, which uh, Solomon built the temple of God, which replaced the tabernacle, the tent tabernacle, um, that, when that when the Romans destroyed that in 70 AD, there is no longer a place uh, called the holy place or the most holy place. And so therefore, at that time, sacrifices ceased. And I don't think it's coincidental because at that time now, Christ had fulfilled those in this present age. So there's no longer any need for daily sacrifice and that once a year time where the priest would go into the most holy place to make sacrifice for the unintentional sins of the people. And so that's what he's explaining here in verse 9. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that, now here's what I want to concentrate on, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper. You see, the priest could go in to the holy place on a daily basis and offer prayers and sacrifices and incense, etc., to God. And the high priest would go only once a year to the most holy place, taking first blood for his own sins and then blood that would be poured over the mercy seat for the conscience of the nation of Israel for their sins. But in no way, the writer says here, that under this old covenant, that there was any way that the conscience of the sinner might be cleansed. In other words, there was no way for the sinner to have a sense of peace with God um, that would be a permanent peace. Now, here's the contrast. Here's what I want to point out this morning. <clears throat> God has given us a conscience that would convict us of sin. But as one has come to, to trust Christ and know Christ and, and plead daily the blood of Christ as a covering and atonement for our sin, it now is able to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. You see, where in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, uh, maybe the, the, the Israelite had to wait until that annual time that, that the priest would, would, would um, pour the blood over the mercy seat. 
uh, as a way of making temporary atonement or a coming over of the sins of the people. But that was not enough to clear the conscience of the individual. You see, in, in, in a sense, it was, there was the, the whole nation, if you will, the, the sins would be covered over. But it never affected the conscience of the individual believer. And, and the beautiful thing about the blood of Christ and us coming into relationship with Christ, having atonement made for our sins, having uh, been regenerated, born again by the Holy Spirit, is now our conscience can be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but there's a sense where the conscience is not cleansed. There is an ever-present state of of uh, turmoil within the heart. But when we confess our sins to Christ, as John tells us in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse us from our sins and forgive us from all unrighteousness. That second part of that is that has the idea of our conscience there. And so the beautiful thing is that we, by faith, accept that Christ has made an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And when we agree with God, yes, God, I've sinned against you in that, and we confess that, there is a peace that we have knowing that the blood of Jesus has covered, paid for, atoned for all of our sins. And so that's why it is very good for us on a daily, regular basis to take inventory of our heart and ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you show me anything that I've done, whether it's been intentional or unintentional, where I've sinned against you, or, or anything that I have not done where you've been prompting me and I've been rebellious to not do that. Um, God, would you show me those so I can agree with you today uh, that I have sinned against you? And a pride wants us not to do that. You see, we, we have the idea that, that because we've come to Christ that... We're all these self-righteous little Christians running around in a church. Every single one of us, every single one of us, sin daily and we sin regularly, whether it be a matter of the heart, whether it be a matter of the tongue, whether it be a matter of the hands, we all sin. But the beautiful thing is, is that the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from a guilty conscience and we can have peace with God through Jesus Christ and his blood that was shed for us. Praise him for that today. Thank God for the cleansing of not only your sins, but a guilty conscience through the blood of Christ. And I would encourage you uh, to take some time, a few moments, right after we finish these devotions today, and just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, search my heart. And as he brings those things to mind, you confess them and say, Lord, I agree. God, cleanse me. Thank you for your shed blood. In Christ's name, just pray that to him today and pray that God gives you an opportunity today to, uh, to sow a seed of the gospel in somebody's heart. Uh, God, by his grace, we give you wisdom and you see that the seed has already been sown there, that God would show you how to cultivate that seed. And man, what a blessed thing it would be if we were to be able to witness Jesus save somebody today. I pray the Lord blesses you and keeps you. Have a great day. See you tomorrow morning. God bless. Thanks for listening to our daily podcast. For more information about First Conyers, visit our website at firstconyers.com.